thank you for joining us in our new series, Be Good, Our Struggle on the Journey to Love. You know, when our family lived in Kenya, East Africa, every year we took a trip, a road trip to Mombasa for a vacation. It was on the beautiful uh, Diani Beach. And one of the great things about it was that it was so cheap. All six of us could stay in a hotel for $25 a night, and it included three full meals. I know that seems impossible, but it was true. Now, the downside of this vacation was that the trip was long and it was dangerous. And so one year, as we were planning our annual vacation, I mentioned it to a friend who told me about a shortcut. It would save me hours, he said. It would be much less dangerous, he said. I'd be glad I took it, he said. Well, I wasn't. We had a Toyota Hilux that looked almost exactly like this one. And on this trip, there were eight of us, four adults and four small children. And ladies, I'm sorry to say, but there were only two of us adult men sitting in the front seat. Everybody else was in the back of this thing. It was a, it was a mistake. Bad, bad move in your marriage. <laughs> one stretch from Miley Tisset, Oloy Talky Talk, looked a lot like this. And it was a dirt path covered with three inches of dust. And this path pitched us, rolled us, threw us up and down out of our seats. It was like riding a, bron a bucking bronco at the rodeo. What could have been a simpler, although dangerous, 10-hour trip turned into a 16-hour-long body-slamming, mind-blowing, nerve-wracking, emotion-jarring marathon of a journey on the road from hell. And over the course of the day, we kept saying to one another to keep our sanity, are we having fun or what? And consistently, everyone answered with a resounding, what? Our journey was not fun. Now, some of you know how that feels because you're on just such a journey through your life. Your journey is just one long struggle. It's a struggle to get up in the morning. It's a struggle to perform at your best. It's a struggle with your relationships, with your finances, with the decisions that you're making. And for some of you, it's a struggle to even care anymore. Life is beating you to death the way that road beat us to death. And y'all, we have all been there. And if there were a different route to take, we would take this route through the journey of our lives. We take it in a heartbeat because we're tired of the struggle. And so for the next three weeks, I wanna invite you to consider taking a different route that might lead you to a different destination. Now, to accomplish that, I wanna introduce you to a roadmap for life 
that the Apostle Peter gave us. If this looks familiar to some of you, it's because Clayton and I touched on it back in May. We're calling this the journey from faith to love. And even though it may be long and demanding, if we take a different route, we might end up on a journey that feels a whole lot better to us. Now, Peter's roadmap for life was based on how Jesus lived his life. And you'll notice that the starting point is faith. To get on a better life journey, Peter believed that it all started by entering into a faith relationship with Jesus. Faith that Jesus can give us hope of eternal life and faith that he can guide us through this life. But you'll also notice that the destination point of our journey is love. Peter knew that when we love, that is when we are living like Jesus lived. And Peter knew that love defines the best life that you and I can live. And so Peter depicted life as a journey from faith to love. Now you'll notice that there are multiple stops along the way, multiple checkpoints. That's normal when we're on a journey. And the first stop on this journey is goodness. And that's where we're going to be camping for the next three weeks. Now, Peter, when he talked about goodness, he didn't simply mean doing some good things. I'm sure that all of you are already doing some good things. When Peter talked about goodness, he was talking about being good people. He was talking about you and me being virtuous people. So, for the next few weeks, I want us to think together about what is involved in being good. Where does goodness come from? What is involved in actually being good? And why should you and I be good? Now, your parents probably tried to teach you this. Do you remember when you were young and you were leaving the house to go out with your friends or maybe you were going on a date or maybe you were leaving to go away back to college for the new semester or maybe you were leaving home for the first time on that job that you were taking? Do you remember how the last words of your parents almost always as you walked out the door were, hey, be good. Now, maybe your parents said, be safe, or maybe they said, be careful, but what they meant was be good. Why did they always remind us of this? And why are many of us reminding our kids of it today as they walk out the door? Well, intuitively, our parents knew what we all know. The journeys of life tend to go better whenever you and I are good. But our parents also knew that being good isn't automatic. It's a choice that you and I have to make. And if we don't make it, life really can be a struggle. And there are all kinds of reasons we struggle with being good. Maybe good choices were never modeled for you 
in the home that you grew up in. Maybe you prefer to get things done really fast in your life. And it seems like being good is like moving down the slow route to accomplish your desired end. Or maybe your habits are so ingrained in you that you've just never stopped to ask and consider if they're good or bad. Or maybe you're like most of us and your wants and desires tempt you to, see, to do things that simply aren't good. Or maybe you've tried to be good. Maybe you've tried not to uh, you know, be driven by jealousy or lust or greed, or maybe you've tried to be kind and compassionate toward other people, but you didn't succeed. You know what? You wouldn't be the first one that didn't succeed. We all struggle with being good. It's not easy. It's not automatic. It can be a struggle. But if being good is the first stop on the route to a better life of love, then you and I have got to figure out how to be good. So what is the first key to consistently being good, being a person of high moral character and virtue? Well, the Apostle Paul told us, and he knew that being good starts in the mind. Look at what he said. Paul said, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Now, y'all, you don't have to be an English teacher to recognize that these are pretty complicated verses. In fact, everything we just read in the original text of the Bible is one long sentence. It's all mixed together. But there is a simple principle that we can take from this that helps us understand why it can be such a struggle to be good. And the principle is this. What the mind dwells on, the body acts on. What the mind dwells on, the body acts on. If your mind and my mind is dwelling on bad stuff, it's going to make it hard for us to be good. I want you to notice all the words and phrases that Paul used to refer to the mind and to our thinking. First of all, he referred to the futility of their thinking. People who are struggling to be good tend to think about everything except God. Then he said, darkened in their understanding. People who are struggling to be good tend to miss the obvious truth that all goodness starts with God. Why do they miss this obvious truth? Because, he said, of the ignorance that is in them. People who are struggling to be good willfully reject God as the source of their life. They refuse to live a life that is 
uh, surrounded and defined by God. And this willful rejection, Paul said, has an effect. It hardens their hearts. People who are struggling to be good tend to be calloused against God. And ultimately, Paul said, people who think this way tend to be characterized by sensuality, impurity, and lust. These are three words that Paul often used to refer to a life dominated by bad sexual choices. What the mind dwells on, the body acts on. Now I want to pause here for just a moment because at this point in the talk, one, you know, you could be thinking, Witty, I'm not sure I like you telling me stuff like this. One of the things that we don't like, and I doubt you like it, is when I go to church, I don't like some guy like me using a bully pulpit to tell me how I'm supposed to live my life. It feels like we're condemning one another. And this can come across as one person acting better than another person, being better than everyone else. Is that what Paul was doing here? Is that what I'm doing here? Well, I can tell you it's not what I'm doing because I'm speaking to me just as much as I'm speaking to you. But I think what Paul was doing in these verses is he was pleading with us like our parents plead with us as we're going out the door. Hey, be good. Paul knew that he was writing to people who had believed in Jesus and he wanted them to live like Jesus lived. He wanted them to think like Jesus think, thought. And so he was exhorting them to live like they believed. Why? Why was this so important to Paul that he would say, I insist on it? Well, it was because Paul knew that if they weren't good, their lives probably wouldn't turn out to be good. Their lives would be a struggle. And so he did everything. He did what every parent does. He reminded them again to be good. And he knew that goodness starts right here. It starts in our mind. It starts with what we think about because what we think about, what our mind dwells on, our body acts on. So if you and I want to live a good life, we've got to understand this. If we want to live a life of love, we got to get this. If you and I want to follow Jesus and live like him, we've got to think like him. Well, why is your mind the key. Why is it the battleground for being good? Why is our mind so important? Well, Dr. David Stoop in his book, Rethink How You Think, describes for non-scientific people like myself how the mind works. And the mind is way more complicated than what we're about to make it on the screen, but for our purposes, it can broadly be divided into two parts, the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. Now, your conscious mind is what you think about. It produces your sense of who you are. With it, you remember the past and you anticipate the future. Believe it or not, it only controls about 5% of what you do during the day. 
The subconscious mind is the database of our stored experiences. It keeps records of all the things that have happened to you in your past, whether they are good or bad. But unlike the conscious mind, the subconscious mind only deals with the present, and it's always on duty, and it handles about 95% of what goes on in your everyday life, which means, and this is scary, I want you to understand how scary the subconscious mind is. It is so powerful that it can take over your life and it can dominate you. Your subconscious mind could be the reason you can't sleep at night. It could be the reason you can't change, even though you've tried to change a hundred times. It could be the reason your life is a mess, even though you don't want your life to be a mess. Let me give you an example of how it works. Now, I know that none of us text while we're driving, right? I mean, last year, San Antonio passed a law. It's illegal. I know none of you would do that, right? At least one of us is honest. Right, none of us. We're not very good. Anyway, have you ever driven home? And when you got home, you can't really remember how you got there. Like, you don't remember which roads you took. You don't remember which turns you made. You don't remember which people were around you in what kind of cars. And when you pull into your driveway, you kind of have to say to yourself, like, how did I get here? And yet you got there. Well, your subconscious mind made that possible. It practically drove you home. And here's what that means, and I want us to listen. Our subconscious mind is so powerful that whatever we store in it is what comes out in the way we actually live. That's why what the mind dwells on, the body acts on. If your life isn't good, it may be that the stuff in your mind isn't good. It may be that what you're putting into your mind isn't good. It might be futile, dark. It might be leaving you calloused against God. And that's why the Apostle Paul insisted that for those of us who have believed in Jesus, we have to think like Jesus. But what if you and I aren't thinking like Jesus? What if things we're putting into our minds aren't good? What do we do to change that? Well, a few weeks ago, Linda was working in her garden out at the farm, and she had all kinds of plants growing in it. I mean, you could almost hide a small car in her garden. Well, sure enough, she saw something in it that didn't look right to her, and, but she thought it was a lizard. So she called me out to check it out and see what it was, and I can just tell you it wasn't a lizard. It was this. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a rattlesnake, right? Well, I want you to imagine your subconscious mind as a thick, overgrown garden. There's all kinds of stuff hidden in there, and it's not all good. It can harm you. It can make your life a struggle. And if you want to change it, what do you do about it? Well, you know what? The solution is kind of obvious if we stop and think about it. You and I have to cut 
new paths into the overgrown garden of our minds. We've got to get in there and clean up what isn't good so that nothing can hide. And at the same time, we've got to put some good new stuff into our minds. You know, to do this can be a struggle, y'all. It's hard. It's hard for all of us. Our culture makes it really easy to put bad stuff into our minds. We can be overwhelmed with all kinds of junk so that it, at points, even though we want to change, we just feel like there's no hope. I can't change. My life's just going to remain a struggle. I get that. But y'all, this is where you and I have to stop. We've got to let God work in our hearts and minds. The journey of your life can be good, but you and I have to cooperate with him. It doesn't have to beat us to death, but we've got to go down the path and the route that Jesus went down. And so here's what I want you to do right now. I want you just to take a few moments. And if you would, I want you to open yourself up to God and just say, God, what is it in my life that has to go? What has to change for me to get completely focused on you? You know, we're not here to be the morality police for any of us. What we're asking you to do is to abandon yourself completely to God. And the way we do that is by using our minds for what God designed. And I think there's three things that can help us do that. First of all, I want you to whack out all the stuff in the garden of your mind that you know isn't good. I'm not going to try to tell you what that is. Let God show that to you and act on it. Secondly, I want to ask you to find out what's really in your heart and mind. You know, so much of the time, we don't know what's in our subconscious mind, but it came from our past. And the way we do that around here at City Church is by getting into community. And we do that on Tuesday nights. And so after the service, if you want to do that, our Connect team that's wearing the blue t-shirts, they've got cards. Just go ask them for one and it'll give you information. And then the third thing you got to do is you can't just clean stuff out. You got to put new stuff in. And so on Tuesday nights, our community team is right now studying through the book of Ephesians in the video cafe. You can get involved in that. If you've never downloaded version, I want you to do that. Get it on your phone and begin to get the scriptures in your mind. These are three things that can help you. You know, sometimes it seems like we can just never get beyond this struggle. We can never change. But y'all, that isn't true. We can get on a better journey. You know, back at the end of May, I was doing a talk on perseverance. And after the talk, I was out on the, the plaza, just like I'll be tonight. And a guy came up to me who doesn't go to City Church. And it was obvious that there was something not right going on in his life. I mean, this dude, he was shook. And then he told me why. His wife of 32 years had left him, and it had gutted this dude. He was a big man, but he was reduced to tears. So we talked for a couple of minutes, and then we prayed together, and I had no idea what had happened. 
A couple weeks ago, I got this email back from him just shortly, and I want to read it to you. He said, I just want to thank you very much for hearing me out and praying for me last weekend on Saturday. Your sermon and talk gave me the courage to make the phone call I had to make to my wife. We agreed to start on a clean slate to forgive our faults and to love and fall back in love with each other. She's back home. And it's been a great week for both of us. Once again, thank you so much. May the good Lord bless you. And then he signed it, the big bearded guy. (laughs) Y'all, things can change. But you and I, we got to do the right thing. We got to get on the route to being good. And so that's what I want us to pray about right now. Just pray with me and let's give ourselves to that. Here, if you want to pray for, with them, you can do that. Afterwards, I'll be out at the Bergen, at the pavilion, just to the left out here. I'd love to meet you. If you're new to church, it's like, Witty, what are you talking about? I'd love to have a conversation with you out there. So let's pray together, okay? Lord, thank you that you care enough about our lives that you're willing to say some pretty hard things to us that you know will make our lives better. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us as we struggle on the journey to be good. Pray that your spirit would guide us. I pray that your word would enlighten us. And, Lord, I pray that we would have the courage to do what you lead us to do. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. Y'all, thank you for being here. Have a good week. And do what? Be good. We'll see you next week.